Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time. I'm Elliot Dankard. It's time now for In the Spotlight. And in the spotlight today is the gaming industry. It's currently a $200 billion behemoth, arguably one of the most important and innovative sectors in tech today. You wouldn't imagine what the gaming industry would have blossomed to. You know, you remember back in the 70s or 80s, we're just messing around with those Pong joysticks. These simple games would turn out to be the bedrock of today's gaming industry. And in a way, it's a uh, Cultural phenomena. Uh, with that, indie games have also become a bit of a phenomenon in the gaming and entertainment industry. You've got game engines like Unity and Unreal Engine have made it much easier for independent developers to create high-quality games. But despite the ease of game development, commercial success isn't always a guarantee. In fact, over 50% of self-published PC games generate a lifetime revenue of less than $4,000. That poses a bit of a challenge for independent studios. Now, a Singapore-based indie game publisher is looking to address this issue head on. On the line with me is Matthew Quek, who is the co-founder and chief executive officer of the Singapore-based indie game publisher, the Iterative Collective. Matthew, how are you doing? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm quite excited to be able to talk about gaming. I'm a bit of a gamer myself. But first, I suppose, could you tell us a little bit about your company, TIC? Yep. So the Iterative Collective, TIC, is basically a game publisher. We help games with their go-to-market strategy and getting the games into the hands of gamers. What do you do as, I mean, when you say that, right, as a bit of a game incubator or publisher, how does that process mm-hmm. go? Well, basically, game developers are focused on developing the games themselves, and we help with everything outside of that. That means financing the studio, working with them on their go-to-market strategy, helping with things like marketing, quality assurance, localization, usually the boring stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, the boring stuff brings in a lot of money. Uh, my sister-in-law is actually in gaming. She uh, she does a lot of the sound editing, sometimes voiceovers as well, publishing. And mm-hmm. I see how much challenge she goes through as an independent game studio. Could you tell me a little bit about some of the challenges you face? Um, yeah, so game development studios themselves are facing lots of problems. It's difficult to get your game out there to the market. And that's what we're helping them with. Mm. On our end, of course, we are a startup. Main problems we face is competing with larger publishers who have bigger marketing reaches. They've got existing audiences that they can um, share the games across. And as a new as a new player in the space, we're really helping these studios get there as well, and we're growing with them. Mm-hmm. How big a challenge is the issue of licensing? You take, for example, the likes of EA Studios versus Pro Evolution Soccer. One has more licenses for football clubs; the other, not so. Depending on mods, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm getting at, so, right? Tell me about this uh, issue. So, of course, the licensing is a complicated matter. We usually steer our smaller game studios away from using established licenses. Okay. But in this day and age, these larger brands are always looking out to work with smaller game developers because it's always a new and in thing. Like gaming is big right now. Mm. People with, well, brand owners are always excited to partner with existing game studios. Mm. Matthew, let's talk a little bit about how TIC has uh, recently raised $1.2 million in a seat round led by Cocoon Capital and some prominent uh-huh. investments, investors, I beg your pardon. What does this mean for the company? What are you guys going to use the money for? 
Awesome, yeah. Um, so basically, that means that we've got people who believe in us and have fallbacks. Yeah. They're part of the team now. Yeah. And yeah, we're really grateful for all of them. And this investment round also means that they've validated our business model and our long-term vision. Mm-hmm. In terms of how we're going to use the funds, we're going to use it largely being deployed into game studios, mm. finding more partner studios to work with to bring their games to market. And of course, we're looking to scale our team, hire the right people that can help these game studios make their game a success. Okay. And pardon me for simplifying things. I mean, when faced with the question, what areas of growth a game studio can look at, you think it's just market share. But are there other areas that the TIC is looking at? Definitely. For game studios and how we help them, basically we are licensing their IP, their new unique IP that Ah, they're developing. Okay. And it's not just the video games themselves. There are huge transmedia opportunities. We're looking at things like webtoons, TV series, comic books, even merchandise. Okay. So we're helping them across the whole suite of products and just bringing their IP to the market. Yeah, that merchandise part sounds quite interesting as well. Uh, so you were in the US uh, recently in Boston to be precise for the PAX East 2023 showcasing TIC's current and upcoming games. Uh, tell us a bit about that experience. What's the hustle like over there? Sure, it was a wonderful and amazing opportunity. We had a booth ourselves and we had the opportunity to let the fans in the US actually try out games and to meet existing fans of our existing games. So it was really cool how our games resonated with the players all the way across the world, even though the games are developed in Southeast Asia. On top of that, like I mentioned, merch. <laughs> a lot of these gamers finally got their hands on physical merch, our plushy toys, our keychains, desk mats, stuff like that. I wonder how this merchandise issue is going to evolve. I mean, I'm sure you've had a lot of passing conversation about how you could blend that with uh, things like the metaverse or even at one point NFTs. What does it look like for you right now? So uh, right now we're looking at physical merchandise. People love to get their hands on things, to feel things, (laughs) to wear jackets, T-shirts, representing the Mm. game. Of course, we're exploring other ways of fully utilizing this IP. Mm. I mean, just take, for example, like Super Mario Bros., which is out in the cinemas right now. Um, Basically, all started from a gaming IP, and it's huge today. It's one of the largest animated films releases out out there. Yeah, Yeah. that's the dream. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it is. And of course... We hope to get there someday. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And in the lead up to getting there, what are some new projects uh, in the pipeline for TIC that you could share? Oh, so many we've got. I can't share too much details about them right now because, well, we haven't announced them ourselves. But we've got eight titles in our current portfolio, two more waiting on legal to close. Okay. And out of these 10 games, seven of them are from Singapore. We're either incubating or publishing for them seven different studios in Singapore and we're starting to expand internationally investing opportunistically. Okay. We're signed one from Greece and one from Indonesia as well and we're working with the studios there to grow their game and bring it to the market. All these games are slated for release in 2024 and 2025. Wow. So exciting announcements coming up soon. Tough deadlines as well. Can you at least share the some of the type of games like is it are we looking at like what uh, role playing games, first person shooters, uh, educational yeah. games? So we aren't really tied to a specific genre oh, we're okay. investing opportunistically okay. so there are games 
all the way from say a horror game set in Singapore to mm. action RPGs where you're crawling in a fantasy dungeon to even more strategic games where you're planning strategies for in a medieval setting. All right. So it's all really interesting. Follow our socials for, I guess, more announcements later this year. For sure. And when that horror game releases, I recommend you letting my colleague Neil Humphreys and uh, Dan Co play it because they're big horror fans, but then they get scared easy as well. Uh, they've got a show coming up a little bit later on. Uh, Matthew, let's talk about local game industry here in Singapore. What's your view on it? What's holding it back? I would say it's growing right now. In fact, mm. um, nothing's holding it back. It's full steam ahead. We've seen so many large studios setting up offices here. Um, the number of game studios in general is always on the rise. Um, right now, driven largely by larger players, international players setting up their headquarters here. Okay. I mean, just in this last couple of years alone, we've got Riot Games, Mitoyo, oh, Tencent, yeah. those kind of people. Yeah. And, well, we're seeing these talents still out. There's the developers there are starting their own independent studios. They're starting their own gaming startups. And it's a really exciting space right now. We're right in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, I had the pleasure of speaking with the folks at Riot Studios and they view Singapore as, they've got that hub concept on how it can be a hub for game developers. What are some of the trends that you're observing in the PC and console gaming market? And the PC and console gaming market, well, as mentioned earlier, IP is going transmedia. Mm. We're seeing a lot of developers building games for the long term, either live service games with huge backstories, which eventually spin out into spin-off games okay. or even spin-off media. Okay. So, say Last of Us recently did a TV show with yeah. HBO. Yeah. Yep. And that's what's growing right now. We're seeing lots of uh, IP being shared across different forms of media. It could become a case of a half and half, right? Because you get, you tie in different audiences. So let's say I play Last of Us, uh, the game, and maybe one day I would have to play and then watch the TV series in order yeah, to progress in the game or something like that. Precisely. And we're seeing things like that grow with, um, I guess, cloud streaming, mm. streaming of games, yeah. with Netflix even moving into games with Netflix games. True, true. And a lot of cross releases tied in together where one half of the story is in the game, the other mm. half is in the TV show, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm going to have to free up. I need more hours in a day. <laughs> Matthew, this is a yeah. question that might put you on the spot. Let's try and mm-hmm. tackle this. We'll see how we go. We'll try and tackle this the best way we can. Um, and it's the issue of sustainability. I bring this up because I remember during the pandemic, I really wanted to get my hands on games, but there are a lot of titles mm-hmm. were being delayed. Does this conversation come up in the gaming industry, the idea of sustainability, the amount of heat that's generated while rendering these games? Well, this is interesting. I would say it's not huge. End of the day, sustainability is an important objective for a lot of these studios that are, well, hoping to make the development process carbon neutral, hoping to make even the players themselves trying to find ways to kind of contribute back by Mm. like each copy so we'll plant a tree and stuff like that. right, right. For one of our games, which actually is bringing attention to, I guess, water shortages and access to clean water, game titled Homeseek. It's okay. developed by a team in Greece. And what we did was, like, for every single merch that we sold in Boston at Patsy's event, we're donating a portion of profits to a charity that is providing clean water to people who do not have access to that. Wow, that is great stuff. And I do appreciate you tackling that question. Just a quick last one. Any advice or tips for aspiring game developers? Yeah, for sure. So um, for aspiring game developers... Development is an iterative process, hence the name. Be open to feedback and improve the game through iterations. And I think for game developers as well, 
the last thing is that you're building a company, not just making a single game. And have, you should have some more long-term planning that goes into building a proper game studio, not just a single game. Yeah, that's tough because you get excited with that game. I do understand where you're coming from. I've been speaking with Matthew Quek, who is the co-founder and CEO of the Iterative Collective. Matthew, I appreciate your time today. Take care and have a great Friday evening. Likewise. Thank you very much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.